a book to help you trust again. As I was sailing through the painful aftermath of discovering Mark's infidelity, couples therapist Andrew G. Marshall noticed me on Twitter. I had questions about being able to trust my husband again. Andrew became an important member of my Twitter tribe that includes a few therapists who listen virtually to a bunch of betrayed spouses and a few brave betrayers on their quest to recovery. We all want to recover from trauma and we all want to live a happier life. That's why I decided to order the printed version of the book that Andrew recommended. How can I ever trust you again? Personally, I don't want to settle for less than a life happier than the one I had before my husband considered cheating. I had already read other books on a fair recovery, but I found many useful nuggets for everyday life in How Can I Ever Trust You Again? From discovery to recovery, as Andrew puts it, I was nine months into recovery and I was feeling stuck what happens, I wondered, after we had done all that our counselor outlined to find happiness in our marriage again? I like the idea of the seven steps presented in the book to be able to trust my ex-unfaithful husband again. I realized we were mostly on stage five. I say mostly because there is a range of observations, examples, and practical activities in every stage, and you can benefit from them even if you feel that you're leaving the final stages to recovery. I then decided to start from the very beginning, from the time I suspected my husband was having an affair. I took my time to read carefully taking in all the tips I could use during my situation at nine months past D-Day. Stage one, shock and disbelief. Betrayal shatters trust, so the triggers I was facing made me feel suspicious even after nine months past D-Day. Andrew explains the difference between legitimate worry and being paranoid. I love that he encourages the reader to write lists of facts, feelings, and thoughts. I had experienced creative writing as a powerful tool to organize ideas and even heal from trauma before Mark's affair. When you have a gut feeling about something being out of place, you need to carry out a perfect inquiry to find out the truth as efficiently as possible. The book provides you with prompts questions and specific words you can incorporate in conversations with your partner. There are great tips to improve communication in your life forever, not just post-affair. Stage two, intense questioning. We were already over this stage when I got the book. As Mark had disclosed all I needed to know during the first three months after D-Day. I still benefited from the statistics quoted by Andrew Marshall. It was comforting to see that I was not alone in my predicament and that there are other cases in which the discovered is not willing to disclose the information that is important for the healing of the discoverer. I found particularly useful a reminder about an equation that I had come across before. I don't think you can look at this too many times. Problem plus poor communication 
plus temptation equals infidelity. Problem and poor communication and temptation are the three factors that when they come together, they can lead to infidelity. Stage three, decision time. Should you stay or should you go? Andrew describes eight different types of affairs and how one can evolve into another. Mark's affair started accidentally, like most affairs with co-workers start, and evolved into a self-medication kind of affair. It was a very useful to understand the reasons that facilitate each particular type of infidelity, the implications and the personality traits behind them. The visualization exercise years into the future helps put the affair into perspective and provides a solid base for you to decide to fight for your marriage with or without your partner's cooperation. Stages four, five, and six. Hope, attempted normality, and despair. These are the stages of the cha-cha-cha dance. Emotional flooding, triggers, lovemaking, reconnection, reality checks, transparency, and childhood traumas and beliefs. I was jumping from any of these stages to another without warning and in no particular order. I had lots to learn. The examples provided plenty of situations I could identify with. There was a lot of information to take in. So I highlighted the exercises that applied to our case. I decided to have this book as a reference for the times when I needed a reminder of how far we'd come in recovering from this life-altering experience. The Silver Lining. The book includes an extra chapter for diversions, derailments, and dead ends before looking at the seven lessons we can learn from infidelity. This is not an experience that is desirable, but if it happens, we must make the best out of it. You can come out a stronger person with better communication skills and knowing who the best people are to keep in your life. Tools to keep you going. The periods of calm that follow the storms when recovering from infidelity allow us to reflect on our progress. There is always progress, even if you feel that you are repeating unwanted patterns. If you had a dip to get out from, it means that you needed to go through that process for healing. This is one way of coping with the fact that we cannot change what was. How can you make the most out of any new day in your life? Here are some tools that help me focus on the full half of the glass. Gratitude. Couples who have recovered from infidelity. Lessons learned. Healing my own childhood traumas. Seeing the marriage as a living entity that needs care. Moments I can fully be present in the here and now. The excitement when planning fun activities ahead. Acknowledging our progress since D-Day. A list of things I admire about my husband. Remembering that we are not going to live forever. Seeing my children happy and relaxed. 
Blaming romantic fairy tales for fucking me up. Humility to accept that shit happens to everyone and others have it worse. Remembering that my husband also carries wounds and wants to heal. The fact that he chose me. The effort Mark puts every day. He is improving his communication skills. I am healing. I am free to create since he's not nosy about my every single move. Let's look at some of them in more detail. Start from gratitude. Acknowledging what is good in our life is the best mindfulness technique. We can acknowledge the beauty of being alive, of our country being safe, that we have a place to live, and some of us even luxury. Do you awe at the fact that you can see, smell, move, hear, and touch? If you are reading this, your heart is beating and your blood is flowing. We just have to stop and admire the wonders that make us have a mind with visions that we forget we can control. Let's fill it with beautiful images, sounds, smells, and memories. Inspiring couples. I so much appreciate the ladies in my tribe who sailed through infidelity years ago. Some 15 years ago, some less and they actively remind us that they are happily married to the husband who betrayed them in the past. Some are therapists, and some are authors and bloggers. Thank you. I also had my mother who pointed out to me that I was going to be able to admire my husband again one day, and that we can only trust ourselves at the end of the day. Big hug to those who separated and have found happiness with a new partner. They help us understand that there is an alternative path in case we cannot recover with our current husband. Lisa Arendt and Nancy Knapp are at the top of my list. Lessons learned. I read books, watched vlogs, subscribed to newsletters in my own quest to make sense of what happened to my marriage and to move forward. I learned so much and many of the lessons are on the above list. Moving forward, I hope this reflection resonates with you and helps you see the silver lining. No one deserves to suffer the pain caused by infidelity, but since it hit us, let us make the best out of it. Entering the first year after D-Day. All betrayals are different, except that they all involve pain, loss, trauma, and the desire to recover. Almost 12 months since I proved Mark's affair was happening, I was in a much better place. I had escaped gaslighting, faced my fears, nourished my inner child, grew through pain and was starting to enjoy my second marriage with my ex-unfaithful husband. As I embarked on this new adventure life presented me with, I was a woman in my early 50s and my goals were very different from when I married Mark for the first time in my late 20s. As I sailed through infidelity, I found many resources for clarity and guidance. I couldn't feel more grateful for my friends both real and my virtual tribe on Twitter, who have been a supportive rock of ongoing empathy 24 seven. 
I appreciate all my trips from Australia to the West Coast in the US. After almost one year that I entered the Betrayed Wives Club, one no one ever thinks they will enter, I was grateful for all the resources that were available online. Vlogs, online courses, ebooks, therapists, betrayed spouses, ex unfaithful spouses, bloggers, entertainment, yoga, and other mindfulness techniques, music. They were only a tap or a click away. If I wouldn't have listened to Esther Perel's TED talk on infidelity, I wouldn't have internalized the notion of having a second marriage with my unfaithful, remorseful husband. Perel describes why a good husband of many years might cheat. She also clarifies that the affair had nothing to do with the betrayed partner and everything to do with the unfaithful escaping the person he had become. The person Mark had become, I didn't like either. Then it was Samuel's vlogs for AffairRecovery.com. He there explained how recovery from an affair had to start with the unfaithful showing remorse and taking responsibility for causing my pain. The affair had to end and boundaries set in place to avoid relapse and start to build trust again. We had to find the why my husband crossed the line. We needed a real-life mentor to decide that we would give our marriage a chance after infidelity. Nine months had passed since we decided to live together again. Releasing the affair partner. I was certain the affair was over because the affair partner feared I would disclose the truth to her husband. That kept her away from Mark. As we have agreed, this was the condition for me not to reveal the affair to her betrayed husband. I stopped feeling the need to contact her to remind her I was big time angry with her and that I was willing to do and what I was willing to do if she came near my husband again after I published a letter that I never sent but was a reflection of a telephone conversation we had in December 2018. Writing a letter, even if you don't send it, helps release the affair partner. Especially after I published my first book in March 2019, I didn't waste energy thinking about her. The last time she contacted me via text was to apologize for still holding the position at work that she promised to leave when I told her how triggering it was for me to think that she and Mark were working in the same building. I didn't answer any of her text messages in months 9 to 12 past D-Day. It felt so good to not spend my energy thinking of what to say. I owe my tweets and especially at l many in Twitter for stating how I shouldn't be part of the attention seeker affair partner's emotional support system. Very wise words. What next? As we approached one year since D-Day, even the start of the warmer season became a trigger. I had a tantrum only comparable to the one I had during discovery and denial of the affair by Mark in July 2018. The previous weeks had been difficult because the conditions surrounding Mark at work where the affair took place hadn't changed. There were changes due in the structure of the workplace and we didn't know if Mark would end up working near the ex-affair partner again. There were farewell parties to attend. 
There were summer gatherings with the same people we met during the time I was unaware of the affair. The settings were similar and it made me go back to the time of the affair. It was all too much to prevent emotions flooding by using the well-studied techniques suggested in the books I had read. The stop sign in front of the thoughts about the affair seemed to me like a way for my husband to get away with what he did. After all, if I remained calm, we could pretend normal and he could avoid acknowledging what a lucky guy he was that I decided to give him a second chance after he enjoyed sex with another woman. My pride was hurt and my rage built up. I was depressed for a number of days until I banged my piano while playing a back prelude in F major. Then I went on to kick the wooden bed's frame and punched my concerned husband in the face when he came to see what was going on. But it wasn't until I stopped suppressing my anger and pain that I started to feel joy again. I knew that these apparent setbacks pointed towards growth. I compared it with the transformation a worm endures to emerge from the cocoon as a majestic butterfly. It is a painful and scary road to personal growth. Mark remained next to me, listening and supporting me while apologizing over and over for the choices he made during 2017 and half of 2018. We were growing together. We identified that when I talked from pain, he couldn't become defensive. He learned to talk to my pain. He was rather clumsy at times, but he was improving. I promised myself I would stop dismissing all his efforts. If he continued being present and holding my hand when I was in pain, after 12 months of fiercely putting him to the test, it was finally time for me to start believing that he might have stayed in the marriage because he loved me. Guidelines. I will appreciate my husband's signs of affection. I acknowledge that we have moved forward relatively fast. Infidelity sucks. We will be dealing with the consequences of the affair forever. What happened cannot be changed. Triggers will, will still appear unannounced for a few more years by author Dolly in, in Twitter. We will work on improving our marriage actively. Happily ever after is a lie. Checking his phone will not prevent another affair. Rigidity might lead to relapse. Find a balance. Thank you to Divorce Dad 101 on Twitter. Ask open-ended questions that start awkward conversations from the Gottman Institute. I will remain quiet and wait before reacting to triggers. At Rosie Joseph on Twitter. We must get to know each other again actively. At Masharki on Twitter. Marriage therapy. Enjoying life and reconnected, reconnecting without time limit helps from Living Through Infidelity on Twitter. Look into the pitfalls that led to the affair and not pretend it never happened. Angela on Twitter. 
Make a list of all we have invested in the marriage and the positives of staying together. SS Never Week 1 on Twitter. Focus on us. The affair partner remains in the past. Plan fun ahead and go through with it, even if we are in a down. We deserve a break. Self-love, self-compassion, self-forgiveness are key to recovery. Do things we love. Do more of it and then do some more. There is no instruction manual, no books about this stage. Once we have followed the instructions to feel safe after the affair, we can only hope our spouse will not cheat again. Let's enjoy our new marriage and be this better version of ourselves. I celebrated one year past D-Day that I felt stronger and that I was interested in other topics apart from how to recover from infidelity.